Welcome back, folks. This is the Pound the Table podcast. I am your host, Fred, the NFL Always Offseason GM. Got another great show here planned for you today. We're going to do part two. It would be picks 17 through 32 of our mock draft, uh, continuation of last week. So if you haven't caught part one, make sure you go tune in to get that to see who is already off the board. And then we'll get into 17 through 32 here. Then also we'll just dive into some of the recent NFL news. I know we're just about finished here with week one of the preseason. So we'll see if there's any good storylines there to jump into. So without further ado, we'll get into the recent NFL news here. So first up in the NFL news, there's nothing that was like league shattering. So there's nothing for me to really go into huge detail on here. But the first piece is going to be that the NFL recently announced, or excuse me, the Houston Texans recently announced they've become an official casino partner with Caesars. And basically the partnership goes into effect immediately before the 2021 NFL season. So this is interesting to me just because the NFL has taken this very hard stance in past years on being like anti-gambling, even back to the Tony Romo fiasco in Vegas doing a fantasy football draft. They had a very hard stance on. And now we see that there's there's a whole new revenue stream coming in pretty soon here with this this gambling aspect. And they're kind of almost embracing it now. So I thought that kind of flew under the radar. But I think that's kind of a big deal because that's going to be a huge part of the salary cap, taking a huge bump in future years here. So it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. But Caesars is now the partner for the Houston Texans uh, moving forward. So next up is going to be that the rookie quarterbacks all got their first shot at uh, seeing the field here for their respective teams. And we know the big five was Zach Wilson, um, excuse me, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, and Mac Jones. Sorry, I almost blanked there for a second on who the fifth one was. But either way, uh, they all looked fairly sharp, and there's been a lot of but a lot of like heckling out of, excuse me, not heckling, but a lot of strong words out of camp that they should all be going week one. I, my, I tend to think and err on the side of let's just let's just calm down. Essentially, what happens in the NFL with these preseason games is it's all very dumbed down parts of their defense. Nobody wants to show anybody anything. You're getting a lot of cover two, a lot of man, two man under, a lot of just very simple stuff that you should be able to read through pretty quickly, like day one camp stuff. So. Let's just all pump the brakes here, but either way, it gives each fan base something to be excited about and just don't want to be hearing about every other day how, oh my gosh, Justin Fields is just completely picking everybody apart. Oh my gosh, he's saying the game's too slow for him because it's going to get real fast here in the next few weeks. So it's good news nonetheless. It's great to be excited, but I, I tend to err on the other side of things. The last thing I wanted to run through is that there's a whole slew of uh, roster moves, whether it was additions, subtractions, uh, guys getting injured and getting placed on IR, or just they're going to be out for multiple weeks. There's a lot of different things that happen, so I'll just touch on some of the, the biggest ones that we know about. So the first one is going to be that the 49ers recently signed HaHa Clinton Dix, former Cowboys, former Packers, former Washington Redskins Redskin safety, and they moved Tony Jefferson to the IR. So Tony Jefferson was a big uh, acquisition a few months back. It turns out he's hurt. They moved him to IR, sign a guy to replace him on the defense. I've never been the biggest ha-ha Clinton Dix fan, um, especially with his time in Green Bay. But nonetheless, he gets another shot at it, gets to prove what he's worth here. 
Next up is going to be former Eagles offensive tackle Jason Peters is signing with the Bears. So I was in the camp that I kind of thought Jason Peters was a little bit washed. I believe he's like 37, 38 years old. So I don't really necessarily think he's the answer to the Bears uh, offensive line woes in recent memory. But nonetheless, it's it's self-aware that they know that they have an issue on the line. They need to have some depth. They need to have some options there. And they go and get a guy that was a big-time player for a lot of years. Just he's he's closer to the end than he is the beginning. So in terms of cuts, there was a couple that came across pretty early here. Uh, turns out a Prince of Mukamara, uh, cornerback for the New Orleans Saints, uh, was part of the first round of cuts. He's actually hoping to catch on somewhere else here. Uh, but essentially, he's no longer with the team as of this morning. Former uh, Washington football team running back Lamar Miller is also no longer with the team. Uh, there was a big-time log jam in their backfield, so I, I can see why he they, they kind of moved on from him. So that's another option there. I think uh, Jared Patterson looked pretty pretty solid over the past week as well, too. It kind of made him a little bit more flexible for that like running back three spot. And then in terms of injuries, I didn't see any huge ones coming across the timeline. We all know about the Dak Prescott one. Turns out it's not as bad as they thought it was. It's just a it's a shoulder strain. They're just resting him, trying to get him up to speed so that way once uh, the season starts rolling, they don't really have to worry about too much there. And lastly, it turns out that the Indianapolis Colts, uh, Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson, it turns out that their surgeries may not have been as bad as they first believed to be. Uh, they gave like a 5-12 to 12 week uh, turnaround on their initial estimate, which is pretty big window, but it turns out it may be closer to the five, five to six mark, and that uh, really they're only looking at having their quarterback Sam Ellinger or Jake Eason start for maybe one or two weeks. So that's a definitely big time news for them because uh, they have big aspirations this year, especially in the AFC South, and if not in the AFC as a whole. So I think that's a that's a big time um, relief for a lot of Colts fans out there that essentially um, they're going to have their guys back, two of the cornerstones that they really kind of threw all their chips in the table for. And speaking of the Colts, uh, they actually recently just dished out extensions to their GM and their head coach, uh, Frank Reich and Chris Ballard, through 2026. So that's big-time news, too. Uh, They get rewarded for kind of being able to keep this team afloat, keep them competitive year in and year out and they get rewarded for it. So I think it's a good move. Chris Ballard's been pretty good, especially with uh, his cap space. Uh, they, they're continually each year uh, always at the top of the list with the team that has the most, which is just big time to help kind of retain some of these guys that are big-time players for their team. And uh, Frank Reich's shown that they can stay competitive even without having necessarily the best talent or having suffering through injuries a year in and year out. So... Big congrats to them. I like what they're cooking up over in Indy. Uh, they look to keep it moving moving forward here. So rolling right over into our mock draft series here, it's going to be part two, pick 17 through 32. And I just wanted to run through, we'll give you a, a quick brief summary of last week's one through 16 here. So just bear with me. Pick one was Houston Texans. They took Sam Howell. Pick two, New York Jets, Kayvon Thibodeau. 
Jets. Pick three, Detroit Lions, Spencer Rattler. Pick four, Jackson, excuse me, Jacksonville Jaguars take Evan Neal. Pick five, Cincinnati Bengals took Derek Stingley. Pick six, Philadelphia Eagles took DeMarvin Leal. Pick seven, New York Giants took Drake Jackson. Pick eight, Las Vegas Raiders took Ahmad Gardner. Pick nine, Carolina Panthers took Haskell Garrett. Pick ten, the Atlanta Falcons took Kyle Hamilton. Eleven, the New York Giants via the Chicago Bears took Tyler Linderbaum. Pick 12, Washington football team took Brandon Joseph. Pick 13, the Pittsburgh Steelers took Kyir Elam. Pick 14, the Arizona Cardinals took Nick Benito. Pick 15, the New Orleans Saints took Chris Olave. And pick 16, the Philadelphia Eagles via Miami took Josh Joe. So just a quick summary there. So when we lead off here into pick 17, we kind of know who's already off the board. So... To start the day, pick 17 is going to be the Los Angeles Chargers. And the Los Angeles Chargers, I have taken Garrett Wilson, the wide receiver out of Ohio State. So this is the second Ohio State receiver off the board here. And a lot of people have Garrett Wilson over top of Chris Olave. I'm a huge believer in Chris Olave. I think he's got like almost top 10 potential. But I still think that Garrett Wilson is a very high quality player. He's still very fast. He's got a lot of the same attributes as Chris Olave, just at a at a higher degree for a, a longer time or longer time is what we're talking about with Olave. So Garrett Wilson's still a huge upside prospect. I believe he's like a former five-star recruit coming out of high school. Really has a chance to burst on the scene here for Ohio State. And Los Angeles Chargers, when you look at their roster, don't have a lot of holes. So when I take a look at it, I can see them taking a wide receiver just for the fact that Mike Williams really hasn't lived up to his his top ten selection. So they might not even retain him past his rookie contract. And when you look after that, there isn't much left on the roster, and Keenan Allen's getting up there in age. So Garrett Wilson is some good insurance and a good way to help further along uh, Justin Herbert's development by getting him a high-quality receiver. So next up, pick number 18, I have the Indianapolis Colts. And for the Indianapolis Colts, I have them taking offensive tackle Rasheed Walker out of Penn State. And I think... I'm one of the highest people on Rasheed Walker, especially after I watch his film, just because of the the way he plays the game. is He's an extremely violent individual, I thought. His hands were very violent. He's not afraid of contact. He's downhill as a run blocker. And the part that really sold me on him is he's still, like, uber-athletic and, like, can get out in his pass sets and he can set on speed, guys, which, which really bodes well for him. The only knock on his game... I always thought was that he's a little bit undersized. I think he's listed at somewhere like 295 pounds. So he's not as, he's not quite as big as people would like him to be, which may cause some, hey, let's kick him down to guard uh, outlooks for him. But I think that let's go the other way with it. Let's put a little bit of weight on and let's get this keep this guy a tackle just because you, you really can't teach that kind of speed and technique at that position. But you can always try to add on a little bit of size. So I like him to the Colts here, especially with the Colts. I think right now they have uh, the Eric Fisher, who's going to be out for the first few games with that Achilles tear. But, I mean, that's not a long-term solution. That's not a sustainable solution at offensive tackle. And I think Sam Tevy was kind of like their, their, their stopgap solution with uh, Braden Smith on the other side. So Braden Smith's locked in for years. Let's shore up that left tackle spot now or and, and fi- kind of figure out what we're going to do here in the future. So I like uh, Rashid excuse me, Rasheed Walker to the Colts here at 18. And at 19, it's going to be one of the first surprises of the draft here. Uh, This is more of a need pick rather than a, hey, I think this is where this guy deserves to go. 
but I got the Denver Broncos taking Malik Willis, the quarterback out of uh, Liberty. So Malik Willis has been a very hot name uh, in most of the, the, the preseason draft hype here. And he's got a lot of potential. Like, I don't think he's a first-rounder yet. But if he goes out and just absolutely lights it up and shows the same athleticism that he did this past year, there's absolutely a 0% reason why he can't go in the first round. This guy, he can live up to it. He can do it. So I don't think he's he's worth the selection at the moment. But when we take a look at this Denver Broncos roster, I mean, <laughs> there's not much to poke holes in here. I mean, they got a, a ton of wide receiver depth with, like, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler. You got Noah Fan at tight end. The offensive line has been short up significantly compared to years past, especially since they brought in Mike Munchak. And their D-line is loaded. They're, they have two stud edge rushers in Chubb and Von Miller. Their DB room might be the most crowded in the entire uh, excuse me, in the entire league. And the only thing is off-ball linebackers, but I just don't I don't know if I like one right here. Christian Harris maybe? It was an option. But I, I'd rather go try to take a swing at a quarterback that's going to have a higher ceiling than Drew Locke does at the moment, or Teddy Bridgewater. So Malik Willis, an uh, ascending player, I could see him definitely going here in the first round at the end of next at the end of this year. Next up is going to be number 20, the Tennessee Titans, and I have the Tennessee Titans taking Zach Harrison, edge defender out of Ohio State. So another kind of guy that's a little bit of a projection. Uh, he's kind of that next guy up philosophy here at Ohio State after the the Bosa brothers and Chase Young. And he's got the potential to be an absolutely elite pass rusher, especially with the Tennessee Titans. They're kind of looking for a versatile guy that they can put in that front to help complement their pass rushing duo of Harold Landry and uh, Bud Dupree. Uh, I know there's been some concerns with Harold Landry. They don't. They want to have him on a snap count. They want to be able to limit his snaps. That way, he's not playing like 90 high 90 percent of the defensive snaps, just because he's had some injury woes in the past. So. Th- you get a guy like this, you could spell him at the edge rusher role. Maybe he can, I think he's big enough here as well, too, that you can get him in some sub roles as well, too, where you kick him down inside and get all, all three of these guys in the field at once. So, big fan of Zach Harrison. Uh, he's going to project pretty well to the next level, especially if he can show out here at Ohio State in his next year. And then at pick number 21, uh, the New England Patriots, I have taken Jahan Dotson. So, Jahan Dotson is probably at this point, I think, was my favorite watch of the preseason scouting just because this dude dominated Ohio State. He single-handedly ended Sean Wade's career <laughs> as an NFL draft prospect. Just single-handedly tanked his draft stock. Like this dude was out there just he could play in the slot, he could play wide, he was going deep. He's a 5'11 dude jumping over guys, making one-handed snags and like he was taking outside releases and breaking back inside. It was it was just really impressive. It was very very impressive. I was I was in love with this tape after I watched it. I think this dude is an animal. He's going to be competing with the two Ohio State guys for one of the top receivers in this draft. So next up with pick 22, we have the Minnesota Vikings selecting. And the Minnesota Vikings selecting at 22 means that they they're fairly competitive this past year in the NFC North, probably finishing in that like second-ish range there. And I have them selecting cornerback Seven Banks from Ohio State University. And like I said, this is a loaded cornerback class. So it's no surprise that we have another one coming off the board here. But Seven Banks is also definitely worthy of the selection. He he surpassed Ohio State's, uh, our former Ohio State Buckeyes, Sean Wade, 
to kind of take on that QB or CB1 role this past year. And I definitely think he could take an even further leap here and definitely climb into the first round. So it's a little bit of projection here. But I definitely think he's worth the selection. He's ex- another dude that's extremely competitive. He's he's played in a scheme-diverse uh, defense there over at Ohio State. Really excited to see what he's going to bring to the table. And I know Minnesota Vikings fans are probably mad at me because they've taken a cornerback in the draft the last how many years. But uh, this is one of those positions where you see teams just keep on swinging at it and Obviously, with Mike Hughes now no longer with the team and Jeff Gladney's future in question due to some uh, off the field issues, uh, it, it, why not shore up another position a week or excuse me another position of need here? So then we're moving on to pick twenty three. It's going to be the New York Jets, or excuse me, New York Jets via the Seattle Seahawks, uh, the Jamal Adams trade, and I have the New York Jets selecting George Pickens, wide receiver from Georgia. So there's a little bit of question here just with George Pickens most likely going to be sitting out a fair share of the season with a torn ACL from spring uh, spring ball. But a lot of a lot of scouting agencies are pretty high on George Pickens and they like his potential as like an X receiver. He's a little bit lankier. He's like 6263 build. He's not like super physically dominant at the catch point. Uh, he's more of like a contested catch kind of guy and uh, he did really well at Georgia on like the comeback, the back shoulder routes, and the, where they kind of toss it up to him like a fade, and they let him go get it and, and be physical with it. It's it's not like he's winning with his route running, which, or at least in my opinion, he's not. And that's what's concerning to me is I like the guys that are pure route runners that can get open without needing to have that that over the top contested catchability. And George Pickens isn't that type of mold for me. He Can he get there? He definitely can. Does the injury help him? It does not. So I have him kind of sliding into the, the back end of the first round here, going to the New York Jets, especially with uh, Denzel Mims reportedly working with like second and third team reps. So if they decide to move on from Jamison Crowder and even Denzel Mims, this gives him a, a, a guy that's in a mold but a little bit higher ceiling. So then the 24th pick is going to be the Dallas Cowboys. And I have the Dallas Cowboys selecting Trent McDuffie, cornerback from Washington. So the long line of Washington uh, DBs in the high in the draft continues here. And Trent McDuffie is is definitely no slouch compared to them other guys. Uh, he can play. He has a inside-outside capability. Uh, he's he's scheme diverse. He plays some man there at Washington. I, I know they play a ton of zone there as well. So he's he's able to fit in multiple schemes. So the Dan Quinn running the the cover three zone that's popular is is no problem for him at all. And when you look at the Dallas Cowboys roster, they take Kelvin Joseph this last year. They have uh, Trayvon Diggs there already. So that gives you the opportunity to play him inside if those guys prove to be worth a. Uh, second round selections that were used on them. But if for some reason they're not and they don't live up to their hype, this is a guy you can play on the outside and you, you can look elsewhere to get an inside guy. So why not try to shore up another position of weakness, especially with that Dallas Cowboys defense looking less than stellar heading into the season. So moving on next to pick number 25, I have the Baltimore Ravens. And for the Baltimore Ravens, I have them shoring up uh, their linebacker room and I have them taking Christian Harris. And Christian Harris is a pretty big name in this 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 year's scouting excuse me scouting circles and uh he, he's believed to be like a top 15 top 10 pick i didn't quite see that with his coverage which is why he kind of slid down my board but nonetheless i have him slated to come here on the back end especially with the baltimore ravens alabama connection they love getting those uh former crimson tide players in there and uh with linebacker 
a lot of teams are running the nickel defense where you get two two backers that stay on the field at all times and you run five DBs. So in this situation, you can get him playing next to Patrick Queen and you can have two linebackers for the next, you know, five, six, seven, eight years who could be competitive. Or even if Patrick Queen doesn't live up to his first round selection, take another swing of the bat and you take Christian Harris. I just look around to the rest of this team and I don't, I don't really see a huge need, especially with them taking Rashad Bateman this past year at receiver. And they got... Excuse me, the running back. Um, I apologize. I, it's just spacing me here. The Ohio State guy, uh, J.K. Dobbins, my bad. And then uh, they got Sammy Watkins there as well. They they still haven't given up on Devin Duvernay. They got Mark Andrews at tight end. Uh, they reloaded on the offensive line. So you could see maybe an offensive tackle to get somebody a little bit younger behind Andre Villanueva. But I just don't I don't see that as a huge position to need here. So they take another swing at the bat for their linebacker room, shore up that front seven. At pick 26 is another team that has a one of the most complete rosters in the NFL. And it's going to be the Cleveland Browns. I have the Cleveland Browns taking here. Uh, offensive tackle from Ole Miss, Nick Broecker. And Nick Broecker is, uh, apparently I'm much higher on this guy than a lot of the rest of uh, the NFL draft community is as well. Because I I just believe that it's it's very hard to teach solid pass sets and being able to be agile out of your stance and to get around on these speed rushers. And I think that that's the most impressive part of his game is his able his ability to pass set on some of these these faster dudes coming off the edge. And uh, he doesn't really maul and just like completely take over dudes at the point of attack on, on run blocking. But that's something that you can work on. You can build your frame up. You can build your strength up to, to kind of work on that at the next level as long as you have the want to. But uh, I just think it's much more difficult to get the the intangible traits for an offensive lineman, mainly like the agility factor, and I think he's got that. So Cleveland Browns shore up a – it's not necessarily need. They don't have a lot of them on the roster, but you can never have too many offensive tackles, especially young ones that can develop. At 27, I have the Miami Dolphins via San Francisco, and after having a ton of picks in the last few drafts here, the Miami Dolphins kind of make a – not necessarily a need pick, but a want pick here. And I have him taking Brees Hall, my number one running back out of Iowa State. And I think Brees Hall is the most complete back in this in this class. He can do it all. He can catch the ball. He can run the ball. Great vision. Great elusiveness. He's got great contact balance. He's able to run through tackles, especially arm tackles. And he's able to fight for extra yards. I don't see necessarily that huge home run speed. He could be like low to mid four fives or even like high four fours which doesn't necessarily get you in the first round usually. But I just think he's a special special back with how he handles everything else in, in, his, in his game. So that's why I'm, I'm going to slot him into the first round here. He's definitely the best running back in this class. And I have the Miami Dolphins filling a kind of a need just because they literally have n- nobody else on the roster that m- would match his ability. And having all those draft picks from the last few years on the offensive line and the defense filling in, it, it kind of gives them some flexibility to be – a little bit more dynamic here. With the next selection in our mock draft, we have at number 28, the Detroit Lions via the Los Angeles Rams. We have them taking the wide receiver, Justin Ross out of Clemson. So Justin Ross uh, actually had a pretty significant injury this this past season, and he ended up sitting out. With, it was uh, something with his spine or his neck. 
and it was actually fairly concerning, but he got clearance to play, so it's going to be a big year for him. If he can show the same production that he did prior to the injury, I definitely think he's going to vault himself into this wide receiver conversation and get into that, that top five, top six receiver range here. And for the Detroit Lions, what, this past year, they kind of neglected the receiver position. And when you look at their roster, it's, it's pretty much bare bones. I, I know Amon Ra St. Brown, Brown has really shown out, and he's really been a very high upside type of guy, especially that they got in the third round. So I'm pretty pumped about what he's going to bring for them guys. But uh, I think that they can still expand this a little bit more. And especially after they're taking a quarterback here at the top of the round, I think that they're primed to get a guy to help support the rest of the cast. So Justin Ross off the board at 28 to the Detroit Lions. Next up is going to be the 29th selection, and it's going to be the Buffalo Bills. And the Buffalo Bills I have selecting Jake Ferguson, tight end out of Wisconsin. So this could be a little surprise for everybody. I don't think anybody else has Jake Ferguson as like a first-round type player. And I don't really have a first-round grade on him either. It's more of like a fringe, like one-two. But I really, I really liked what he brought as like an, a complete tight end. He's not necessarily the guy that's a super freak athlete that's going to stretch the field and be like this Kyle Pitts type. He's more of like your consistent downhill blocker, and he's going to be able to run those stick routes and attack the seams on the field. So he's more of a complete player, but not as much of a dominant receiver. And I think that he could complement kind of what they got rolling there on offense really well. It's kind of a dynamic that Dawson Knox hasn't brought. So 29, Jake Ferguson to the Buffalo Bills. At 30, I have the Green Bay Packers selecting, and I have them finally breaking the mold and taking a wide receiver in the first round here. And I have them taking John Mechie out of Alabama. So John Mechie is the next guy up at Alabama. He He's a little bit different style than what they've had in the past here. So you, you think back to some of their recent guys, and you think of Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, you think of uh, Calvin Ridley, all these like defined route runners, these field stretchers, these possession-type receivers. And Mechie's more of like a physical animal. He's a really great blocker, which is going to really, really fit well inside the Green Bay Packers scheme. Matt LaFleur has always mentioned that blocking is a significant part of being a Green Bay Packers receiver. So you take a look at guys like Alan Lazard and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. These are the guys that they really like, except now Mechie is much more of a polished product, much more of a high-end receiver, much more of a high-ceiling high type of guy. So they get a guy here that can come in and help Aaron Rodgers or Jordan Love, whoever's the quarterback in 2022, right away. Next up at pick 31, I have the Kansas City Chiefs taking Jaleel Billingsley, tight end out of Alabama. So Jaleel Billingsley is technically a projection here. When you look at his stats, he doesn't have a lot of production from this past year. But the dude, when you flip on the film, is an athletic freak. He's a mismatch on the field every time he's out there. And I had to, like, when I was watching it, just, like, rewatch the film a few times just to make sure I was, I was seeing this. Then I went back and watched some other tight ends here just to make sure that, like, hey, this guy is an outlier like I think he is. And he sure enough was. He's he's outrunning linebackers. He's running with corners. But he's also way bigger than corners. He's like 6'4", 230. So he's a mismatch. So he can still even get a little bit bigger. But what what definitely stands out is the athleticism, the speed. The blocking isn't quite there, but that's why he's coming back. That's why he's here. That's why he's he's got another season to prove it. But I really like where he could be this year. And when you take a look at the Kansas City Chiefs roster, if they want to keep getting diverse, I think they, they can get another like 
chess piece like this because they already have Travis Kelsey to play tight end. And then for receivers, they still have Nicole Hardman and Tyreek Hill. But after this year, the, the cupboard's getting pretty bare there, uh, other than like Cornell Powell, who's a fourth or fifth round pick. So I think they could go in another direction here and try to get some some two tight end sets or even like have like a big slot in Billingsley here that, that would make them a little more diverse. And Andy Reid knows how to use pretty much anybody, so I'd trust him with his ability to make it work. At number 32 and finishing up our mock draft here is going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking Kenyon Green, the guard out of Texas A&M. And uh, Kenyon Green is your old school, old fashioned mauler type player. I, I think he's very downhill. He's able to get and move pretty much any D lineman inside when you flip on his tape from college. And I think that he could obviously have that translate to the next level. I see him kind of dip his head sometimes on pass sets and kind of lose track of where he's getting his hands on guys and they, they get past him pretty easy. So that's going to be the one downfall to his game here is that I don't think he's like a, a true like pass blocker just yet at this level, but he's definitely a dominant run blocker. And I, did, and I think when you take a look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers roster, it's always about who can we get that's going to help make an impact now. And I think that this will give them a little bit of flexibility across the offensive line and help them plug and play another guy. So I'm going to have them taking Kenyon Green at 32. So appreciate everybody tuning in. That's going to be it for our first mock draft of the season here, the preseason one. Uh, let us know your thoughts. Let us know if there's anything that you change, anybody else that you think we should have included. We're always open to suggestions and love hearing back from everybody. So that's going to be it for this week's episode. We appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, like we said, we appreciate everybody getting back to us on the mock. Uh, it's it's a flexible process. Nobody's 100% right. So it's always good to hear back from you guys. Like I said, suggestions always welcome. Uh, some guys that maybe we didn't quite get to or maybe we didn't watch that, hey, check this guy out. Always love to hear that kind of stuff. Otherwise, uh, feel free to share the content. Um, be sure to subscribe, too, just because we have some great stuff coming up. We're going to be changing the format for when we get into the regular season and start going on Tuesdays and Wednesdays here uh, once a week. So make sure you be looking out for that. Uh, we All kinds of great stuff coming up here. So we appreciate everybody tuning in. Subscribe. Let a friend know. And otherwise, we'll see you next week.